and welcome back to Trinus Magnus Punches Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and I swore to myself, guys, I'm not kidding, this was even just a couple of days ago. You know what? I don't think that now is necessarily the best time to talk about horror books or horror comics or horror movies or anything like that. And because there is a sense in which I'm not trying to be too high-minded about what I do. I'm just some jerk with a microphone and an opinion, and I get that. But it's like at the same time, you know, I do kind of believe in the metaphysics of putting something out into the universe affects the universe. Whatever it is that you're saying, even if it's in some small way, it does have some kind of an effect on the people that hear it, right? And so is now really the best time to talk about horror movies? You know what? Maybe not. But then I got a wild hair just a couple of days ago. There's a certain vampire movie out there that I wanted to talk about. And what I realized is my schedule being what it is and some of the things that I've got coming in, in, in the future. I'm not going to go so far as to say that it's now or never to talk about today's subject matter. But it's kind of now or never to talk about today's subject matter. So... Uh, I decided, you know what, hell with it, I'm just going to go for it. Now, the other thing that I realized is that if I'm going to talk about today's subject matter, and I am, then it only makes sense to bring in somebody who understands where I'm coming from. Because apparently if I'm going to talk about vampire movies, this is the guest I need to have on my show. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome back to the show for the first time since he and I got together to talk about The Lost Boys, Mr. Dave Atterbury. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Thank you, sir. I'm doing good. Doing good. Always, always up to talk about vampire books. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, that's the thing. You know, I did think about, you know, joking with you. So we've talked about The Lost Boys. And then today, obviously, we're going to be talking about the horror of Dracula. You know what's coming next, right? And then you'd be like, no, no, not Twilight. Yes, Twilight. But no, I, I can't even joke. So, um, <laughs> I uh, I was so annoyed the day I came home. And there's a spot on my counter where my wife puts like things when she drops them off from the store, you know. And, I, and there's a couple years ago I came home and I was like, what the hell is this? And it was like the it was like the the Twilight double feature dvd pack i was like what in the hell and uh my <laughs> wife comes in your mother bought it it wasn't me your mother bought it I, I was, you know and, and so yeah there's somewhere in my house there's a, there's a dvd that says twilight on it but i've never ever ever watched it so yeah like that's the thing i mean i know that we've got a cup at least a few of those movies uh we've got the dvds like somewhere in in, in the house and, you know, I guess my response to that, number one, is, you know, there was a time when Stacy was, like, big into those movies. Yeah. Right? Um, the other thing is, it's like, number two, I know that I've seen all of them. I, I, don't, I haven't really retained all that much, but I know that I've seen all of them. And I would be the last person to extol the cinematic virtues of those films. But what I'll say, number one, is my memory of them and i could be wrong but my memory of them is that each movie kind of has its own distinct identity and style and tone that's kind of different from everything else and number two the music the film scores for those things they are astounding but we're not here to talk about twilight so uh dave what are we here to talk about just as a palate cleanser from all this twilight talk what are we here to talk about today we are here to talk about the horror of Dracula, which hmm? I was going to say, as of as of just a few days ago, I'd never seen, but um, oh, great movie, great movie. Yeah, um, I basically what happened was, uh, Dave, I don't want to, you know, bore you too much with my life story here. But what happened was I basically I wanted to watch something. I went through this phase and arguably still kind of in, in it I wanted to watch stuff that wasn't superheroes mm -hmm. right so uh, and my listeners have heard me talk about this a few times I did this uh, deep dive into the Martin Scorsese filmography but then you know you can only watch so many crime movies and then you kind of want to watch maybe something else and so 
I've been reading some Vampirella comics, and so I thought, well, what about some vampire movies? You know, I mean, I can find something like that. And so it was just luck of the draw. I said, you know what? Christopher Lee was in a couple of Dracula movies, and so I think I'll just watch the first of those and just see what I come up with. And holy smokes, this is an amazingly good film. Like, I just went in kind of like with this plastic banana good time rock and roller sort of attitude that hey it's going to be a vampire movie whatever uh, that's what I'm watching tonight right. and I came away it's like dude the the Hammer fans like the horror movie fans out there they've been holding out on me I had no idea how good this movie is yeah it's well it, it, I know it's, it's funny too because like my immediate thought was um, and I'll give you a little background on where I'm coming from so we we tend to especially on Sundays that's kind of our movie day you know we mm-hmm. kind of get done with church and we kind of kind of get lunch going and then we kind of just we usually settle into this real laid back low key afternoon on the couch type thing because it's the only day of the week that has any semblance of quiet and and being able to just kind of chill mm-hmm. and so we always watch movies and one of the Atterbury household like. Uh, perennial i should say well very regularly watched are uh 10 commandments and ben-hur um you know just wow. it's sunday and they fit in and and uh, and even my kids watch them and 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 i'm a, you know i'm a star wars kid you know I, I grew you know born in 76 grew up in the star wars era so for a long time i didn't really get into older movies just because older movies are kind of like plays and they kind of they're just different you know what i mean like, yeah the cinematography and everything but but i do like a lot of uh, some of the classic period piece movies and this movie was made essentially the same year as ben-hur and right and, and that was my first thought actually like as the movie started just some of the shots and the sets and the way that it was put together i was like i feel like i'm watching ben-hur like this is legit because i kind of went in the same way with like this oh you know it's hammer horror it's probably going to be kind of cheesy yeah. And it's going to be, you know, not, and, and I'm used to 80s, like cheesy horror movies, you know, real low budget, real like, you know, you can tell they're just like hoping to turn a quick buck, you know, with some, some food coloring and, and, uh, Cairo, you know, or, uh, you know, just like, anyway, so this is, I was really shocked, like from the get go, I was like, wow, this is like serious. And these people aren't you know, the actors are taking it seriously and they're not leaning into the cheese and, uh, you know, and I don't think I've ever seen a movie with, uh, wow, the, the name just slipped my brain, but other than Grand Moff Tarkin, Peter Cushing, I, yeah. I'd never seen Peter Cushing in anything else. And I was, and I was really impressed. Like that was my first thought was like, but sorry, I'm probably getting ahead of myself because the, he doesn't show up until, Gosh, 30 minutes into the movie, maybe? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And my my Dracula movie, like, it's funny. So, you know, we've talked Lost Boys before. Um, I'm kind of the uh, Fright Night uh, to Lost Boys. I'm trying to think what's the next big one. You know, I'm kind of that area of vampires. Really, the only Dracula movie I've ever watched and and kind of got into was the bram stoker's dracula by coppola right so having watched that one so many times it's one of my wife's favorite movies and then coming into this one it was really interesting too just to see the the difference in the plot yeah well and that and that's something you know that i i think we do need to make a, a point of um this is a very loose adaptation of stoker's novel The um, and the thing was, I mean, that was excuse me, that was kind of lost on me the first time I saw this because uh, I had never and still have never read the book, and so watching this movie, I had no idea the divergences that that were going on. Yeah, and because there is a sense in which, like, as I mean, it's my understanding that. Van Helsing is not necessarily the protagonist of the book, whereas he's clearly the protagonist of this movie. Yeah. And so that, so, you know, just like little things like that, they, they went right by me. Now, 
that ended up getting challenged, uh, you know, quite a bit. Number one, I watched uh, Nosferatu, and that is, I mean, not so much in name, but it's basically an adaptation of the novel. They just changed up some of the names because they thought that would protect them from legal liability, and it didn't. But uh, they certainly thought it would, and so. But it's basically the same story. It's like, wow. So I can see some overlap between the basic story of Nosferatu over and against the horror of Dracula. You can see some connective tissue there, but one of those, well, they just, they don't really have that much in common with each other. Let's just put it that way. And then come to find out that except for the names, Nosferatu really is the more faithful adaptation. Now it's unauthorized, but it is still the more of the two, the more faithful adaptation. And that was, it just kind of threw me for a loop. And what I ultimately decided is, you know what? I don't care. I love the horror of Dracula. That's an amazing movie. Yeah. Um, and I've got a question for you. Um, I have something that I call popcorn worthy cinema. Yeah. Like I like having popcorn with stuff that I watch just no matter what, just cause I'm me and that's who I am. Um, but there are certain things out there. Look, if you can't get it, you can't get it. So just deal. You know, you just deal. There are certain other uh, other things, though, you cannot watch without popcorn. The Horror of Dracula, Wrath of Khan, and probably some other ones I'm thinking about. This is popcorn mandatory cinema. You know, you must have a big bowl of hot buttery popcorn right beside you as you're watching this movie. Is that is the movie on that level for you or is this more just like a just kind of like fun movie kind of a thing? Um, yeah, I could see that with the popcorn for sure. I got into it. Like, I was, I was surprised how, how well I got into it. Cause again, like I, I'm used to with older movies, sometimes they're a bit of a slow burn for me. And yeah. usually I'm just kind of waiting for one or two scenes, but otherwise, you know, um, but this one, I think it, it kind of pulled me in right away. Uh, got, you know, the sense of dread. I it was was interesting it's funny because you know i'm an architect and so um i was like i wonder if i'm the only person being uneasy by this because they're just walking around the castle and you know jonathan harker's just arrived you know he's just been introduced to dracula um nothing spooky's really happened yet but there's no railing on the big grand staircase and there's no railings um like on the walkway, the catwalk up above, like the the grand hall. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> all I can think of in my mind, because I'm so used to it, I've been building houses for 20 years. I'm like, oh, they could just fall right off that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so. It's, I'm I'm probably the only person that that gets dread from you know the architecture. But uh, that was kind of like that was the moment I knew I was sucked in because I was like, oh, this is I'm I'm getting I'm getting anxious already. You know, <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I was, I was totally sucked into it from like beginning to end. So yeah, I would say it's definitely on a, on a popcorn level for sure. Well, the, um, you know, watching Nosferatu and I didn't imagine I'd be bringing it up this much, but Hey, here we are watching Nosferatu, the, the Harker character whose name escapes me, Hutter maybe, mm. but, um, the Harker character, you know, that you can get to a level with these stories and with these movies where it just you just kind of lose me after a while you know at least on a certain story element or a certain character or something like that and watching Nosferatu it's like guy how, <clears throat> how much more do you think you need to see you know it's a thing where it's like you're shacked up with this guy in you know, the middle of friggin nowhere god knows where you know, he's clearly a really weird guy. This is it's this really creepy castle that he's that he's got you in, in ensconced in. The the at nighttime the monsters come out and you can hear them uh you know running around the, the countryside causing mischief and, and all this stuff. It's like who in his right mind is gonna stay in a place like that? You know, and it gets to a level in as I'm watching Nosferatu where it's like, I kind like Harker kind of loses me after a certain point, you know? And it's like, do you just have no survival instinct, dude? 
Whereas <laughs> in the horror of Dracula, I can see where he would stick around because number one, all he's seeing is stuff that he already suspected anyway. Mm-hmm. Number one. And number two, he's there for the specific purpose of wiping Dracula out. And so yeah. all he's seeing is basically proof that this guy needs killing. You know, that's that's what's really going on here. And so it actually, in a weird kind of way, what I assume is the accurate telling of the story, minus the names, the accurate telling of the story in Nosferatu created a problem for me that the movie actually fixed. Because in in the story, in the book, he's really just there to complete basically a real estate purchase. He's there for business and nothing else. Right. Whereas in this movie, he's there on a mission, you know? Yeah. And so, of course, he's going to stick around. I mean, running away defeats the entire purpose of his being there in the first place. He's a vampire hunter. This is what he's there to do. And man, that just works for me on so many levels. So I don't, I like you, you talk about how your formative experience with this story is the Coppola version. Now I've, I haven't really retained the Coppola version, but I assume that in the Coppola version, he's basically there to complete the sale. Is, is that how it works or is it vampire hunter? No, 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 he's not. And that, and that was one of the things that got me too, because of that, you know, the, the Keanu Reeves character, the Jonathan Harker character in, in the Coppola version. Yeah. He's there. Uh, he's, he's actually the second person to go there because the first person sent to, to, to do this business deal with Dracula is gone nuts and is in an insane asylum. So he shows up to kind of wrap up the deal. He's a young man looking to prove himself at his, at his firm uh, he's engaged to be married and, and he just like, before he knows it, you know, is like trapped and being victimized at the castle. And so, yeah, that was one of the first, that was, you know, that the scene where you learn that Jonathan in the horror of Dracula is a vampire hunter immediately follows the scene I was just describing where I was getting, uh, you know, spooked by bad architecture. So, <laughs> so that was the other thing that kind of sealed the deal. And I was like, I actually paused the movie and went downstairs and cause Joy was working at the time. And I was like, you gotta watch this movie when I, later when you're, when you're done with work, you know, like you gotta see this. So, um, yeah, no, I really dug that. And I, and that, and I'm with you cause it, I'm used to, again, the eighties movie horror trope of, you know, everybody in the movies cannon fodder other than one person who doesn't usually begin their mission, you know, until halfway or three quarters through the movie. So I really dug that. I really, I really dug that, that Jonathan was on a mission and I was actually kind of, and then I, I, I I was really, you know, I was like, Oh no, he's probably not going to make it out of here. Is he? (laughs) And and sure enough, (laughs) Uh, spoiler warning, I guess, but uh, yeah. So, and again, because my my the Coppola version was kind of my intro to the whole classic Dracula tale. You know, I I think that was one of the things that I really liked watching this, and I, well, I would recommend it to somebody who's never seen it because um, it is different. You know, it's got some twists in there if that's the version that you're used to. So. Mm. Well, the um, and that kind of leads into, you know, just one other thing I wanted to talk about, at least as far as the um, like the structure of this thing, Mm -hmm. the uh, I don't know this to be true. And I certainly don't know a whole lot about the production of this movie and, and how certain things were done, why they were done. But if I were to make a guess, I'd say that the reason to make all of these changes to the story keep the basic flavor of things, but otherwise at times wholesale reinvent the story is basically to surprise the audience because I don't know this to be true, but I would imagine that even in 1958, you know, the legend of the Bela Lugosi uh, movie loomed large. And this was a story that I would imagine that the American public knew very well and they were familiar with. And so, and I'm also assuming, because I've never actually seen it, but I'm assuming that 
the Bela Lugosi uh, Dracula film is a pretty faithful adaptation of the novel. Mm. I can't and, speak to that, but I, I know when I was watching this, I was watching it on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And um, so it had the little uh, x-ray service, you know, where it like gives you trivia about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things that uh, when I was reading through the trivia, th- th- this movie's actual title is Dracula. Yes. And, and it was changed to Horror of Dracula because the Bela Lugosi movie from 31 was still being booked in theaters. So at the time that this movie came out. Wow. Yeah. So they didn't want confusion. So that was why the horror of Dracula was kind of the, I don't know if it was just America or if it was just like the theatrical run title. Um, But yeah, that's why they, that's actually called horror of Dracula because they didn't want any confusion as to what movie somebody was going to see. So yeah, you're, you're, I would, I believe your, your assertions dead on the money that people were very familiar with the Bela Lugosi version. So, Hmm. yeah. Well, as to uh, Dracula himself, um, again, I've got kind of limited experience with Dracula. I mean, pretty much it's uh, Count Orlock in Nosferatu. And then um, I guess it was Dracula himself in, what was it? Um, the Basically, it's the remake. Oddly enough, it's the remake of Nosferatu, but like they, they're actually able to use the name. So why call it Nosferatu? But Anyway, but uh, those are, and then of course uh, Duncan, what's his name from uh, the? I was about to say the Lost Boys. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> uh, the Monster Squad, uh, playing Dracula in uh, the Monster Squad. That's really those are really my main yeah uh, sources for anything to do with Dracula. Where are you coming from with Christopher Lee as Dracula? Is he great? Is he just good? Does he suck? Like, where is it? Suck. (laughs) Is he no good? Um, uh, Like, what are your thoughts there? I really liked his his take on it. Now, he's obviously got a lot less to do um, in this movie here. I'm really wanting to track down and see some of his other portrayals because I think he did it, I can't remember, six or eight times. A bunch, yeah. Yeah. because he's only got 16 lines in this movie. <laughs> wow, and, really? Yeah, and they're all in the first act of the movie. Like his all his actual speaking lines only come into play with when he's he's interacting with Jonathan Harker. Basically the whole second half of the movie, anytime you see him, he's just hissing and spitting and making vampire noises. So, um I, I he's great. I mean, Christopher Lee's just you know, He's just got an amazing presence that's spooky. Mm-hmm. I just wish there was I wish there was more dialogue because, you know, that was kind of what he became famous for was his just that insanely deep, scary voice of his. <laughs> so I almost feel like that was underused. But other than that, though, but, you know, his look, his mannerisms, I thought were really great. Um, it's interesting, you know, him, both him and Peter Cushing and. um Oh gosh, I, I only know him as Alfred from the Batman movies. Oh yeah, Michael Goff. Yeah, Michael Goff. The fellows that were old looking even when they were young, just yes. me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, but I but I liked Christopher. I mean, you know, just the stare, the looks he would get. You know, because um, again, that's the thing. Like you know, it's this movie's nineteen fifty eight. You know, you kind of think, okay, it's an old movie. It's going to be tame. It's not going to be as gory or as you know intense as like newer fare. But Chris really does. You know, he he can do a lot with a with a stare and an arched eyebrow. So yeah, indeed. And like the the I don't know if you and I ever talked about this, but especially with like the old timey. Uh, you know, horror movies, but even I would say somewhat with the newer ones, I basically give the eighties a pass. I give the eighties a pass on everything, but for horror movies before and after that, for me, what it comes down to is I look, I don't need a lot of gore and I don't need a lot of jump scares or anything like that. What I really want, the thing that I really look for is this kind of menacing sort of atmosphere, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I loved Nosferatu so much. I mean, I, for what it is, I do think it goes on 
kind of long, I do see uh, opportunities to, you know, cut that thing down because I basically get to the end of the movie before the movie gets to the end of the movie. But what I like about that movie is is just by virtue of the fact that they can't really have dialogue in it because it is a silent movie. Yeah. Which is kind of a misnomer because it's nothing but music, but still, it's kind of a silent movie, yeah? yeah. And so the... The, the issue that I always end up having is, you know, with regular horror films, the talkies, is sooner or later these people start talking to each other. And then you have these scenes and then this stuff happens and I just don't care. You know, what I want is like the extended uh, matte painting shots of like big, bright, full moons and dark black skies and mm-hmm. impossibly tall castles and surrounded by trees that have no leaves and there's this creepy wind that's you know that's the stuff that i look for that's what i want and i'm sorry it's just you don't really there are there's virtually no horror movie at all that's out there that's going to give me that although nosferatu comes really damn close you know yeah but then watching this movie and it's got this more it's just got this vibe about it. You know, the amount of scenes that there are where there is no dialogue. Now, yeah, you do get some fights and some other stuff, whatever. But, you know, this movie, for not having, you know, as much of the the atmosphere that I, that I love, what it is able to... Because, I mean, it is relatively low-budget movie. What it is able to deliver... It delivers in spades. I mean, the production design, especially in the castle, I just ate it up with a spoon, couldn't get enough of it. And I put a lot of that, uh, a lot of that success, I really put a lot of that down to Christopher Lee himself, that if anyone else was playing Dracula, I might not like this movie as much. Mm -hmm. But it's him... And so, you know, maybe there's not, you know, wolves howling in the distance somewhere, whatever, but it's Christopher F. and Lee, man. And I can just, yeah. I, he, like you say, he can do so much with so little. I didn't even know how little dialogue, I knew he didn't have much, but I had no idea how little dialogue he actually had until you yeah. said so just now. And it's like, you know what? Number one, that's right. And number two, my God, what he's able to do with the small amount of screen time and even less dialogue that he does have. Yeah. That is amazing. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because so last night, um, just for academic purposes, um, I watched, uh, so I, I rented uh, horror of Dracula, but on, on Amazon prime, the mm-hmm. only, uh, they have, they can watch for free with prime is uh, another Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, Dracula movie from Hammer, but it was done in 73. Uh, oh. This, So it's the Satanic Rites of Dracula. Oh. Which was a direct sequel to... Uh, they had done a movie the year previously called Dracula AD 1972. Yes. Anyway, so I watched the Satanic Rites of Dracula. Now, for, first problem was that, like, apparently it's one of those lost movies, because, like, the version they put up on Prime, I mean, it looks like you're watching like an old VHS tape. Like it's, oh, it's bad. <laughs> but it's interesting because like, you know, that one is not nearly as good. I'll be honest. Like, and it's interesting because you have like the two main people are, are in it, which are great. And I haven't really gone about how much I like Peter Cushing too, but in Horror of Dracula, but there was a lot less Christopher Lee in the, in the 73 movie. You know, because they put more vampires and more nudity and things in it. <laughs> wow. And uh, and yeah, and it was interesting because, you know, there was kind of a more intricate plot and it kind of had a lot more going for it in that respect. But I think it lost a lot of its atmosphere because Christopher Lee in that movie doesn't even show up till like halfway through that movie. And again, then is very like there's a lot more of everybody else in the movie but him and so I think that's why it it kind of suffered so but uh, yeah I think Christopher Lee really does carry well and Peter Cushing it's interesting because I I really dug his kind of style in the movie and I'm used to you know again I'm used to these kind of more the hero in in a horror movie usually is a little more 
I don't know. Some horror movies you get kind of like the the scared hero. Some movies you get like if it's a vampire hunter, you get kind of a badass. You know what I mean? Yes. And uh, Peter Cushing kind of does it a real. I don't know. Very British, I guess is the only way to describe it. You know, he's like he's very much like a British gentleman that's just like, and I'm gonna kill these mother effing vampires. You know, like yeah. he's just real serious. And again, I think that's why I dug it because. The 73 one kind of felt a little more like people knew it was a cheesy horror movie. Whereas this one, it feels like people weren't playing at that at all. They were playing it dead serious. You know? Well, and that's, yeah, that, I, I was going to mention that a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, I, I was going to mention that same thing where when you say vampire hunter, I mean, to me, the first thing that I think of is somebody who's armed to the teeth with holy water and crucifixes right. and wooden stakes and somebody's i guess what i'm trying to say is a little bit more of a warrior yeah and what we see here in the horror of dracula or just dracula perhaps is this is like the college professor school of vampire hunting where i would say that as we see him in this movie van helsing is He's he's more like an academic. He's like a scholar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I actually kind of like that approach a little bit better because when you think about it, that's kind of how he would have to be. You know, you can't roll into some town where you know there's a vampire inf- uh, infestation going on. You can't just roll in there strapped and armed to the teeth and all this other stuff. You need to be personable, but you also need to be able to teach the locals who you are, what you're able to do for them, and gain their trust and project this air of authority. And this is a really clever way of going about doing that. You know, now as as it goes for the novel, I don't actually know if he's a vampire hunter in the same way that we see him here. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, I do find the presentation here to be credible. And this seems like it, it's something that kind of held on a little bit because the the only sequel that I ever saw, it, and I don't know if this is ever going to change or what, but the only sequel I saw, it was the one immediately following this. It's called The Brides of Dracula. Uh-huh. Now, a lot of listeners, whether you know it or not, you've probably seen a clip of The Brides of Dracula. If you've seen The Matrix Reloaded, there's this moment in... The Brides of Dracula, that's included, in, you you see it on a, a TV screen in The Matrix Reloaded just before Persephone implies that these uh, bodyguards are basically agents from an older version of The Matrix and blows them away with a silver bullet. And at the moment that she does it, that movie is what's playing on the TV. That was the movie that they were watching. Nice. And so a lot of people may not be aware of that, but anyway. And The Brides of Dracula, I'm just going to say it, it does not hit anywhere near the level of the original. But number one, that was kind of par for the course for a lot of sequels at the time. And number two, what you get, it's actually still pretty good. You know, it, now Christopher Lee does not make an appearance in this movie as far as like in universe. He's basically dead. Yeah. And so what Van Helsing is doing is basically... He's basically mopping up. He's going from town to town, killing vampires. I imagine this is what he's doing, going town to town to, you know, wipe out vampires wherever he finds them. And so the Brides of Dracula, this is just, I imagine, one of the adventures he gets himself into. And that's the other thing. It is a little bit more of an adventure for him. He's a little bit more... uh, A little bit more of a fighter. He's like the commando vampire hunter, a little bit. More so than he is in in the original. And so, you know, there is some discontinuity, you know, here and there, but I don't think it's a waste of time to watch. I make, I can't vouch for any of the other ones, but at least The Brides of Dracula, it's okay. Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, this one really, this one is, is really good. I can see how it kind of helped launch a franchise with the Hammer Horror. Um, because it's it's just a really good movie. Like it's one of those ones. Like I would yeah tell people like watch it. You know I know it's old but watch it. 
<laughs> I run in, believe it or not, I run, as a movie guy that likes movies, I run into that argument like more and more. Like I can't believe, like I, I work with these kids now, you know, I, I'm, I'm pushing 50. I can say kids, um, <laughs> you know, like, and they'll, they, they haven't even watched anything like before, like 1995, you know, I'm like, you haven't even seen Terminator 2. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> like you've got to watch these movies, but it's, it's so funny. Like some people just won't watch old movies just because they're old. And this one, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I, I really dug, I really dig it. I could have, uh, yeah. Brides of, uh, Dracula was on my list of got to watch that one too. Um, I, I definitely want to watch, all the stuff that that Cushing and Lee did after this, I know. I guess I guess they did some Frankenstein movies and some other things, and so. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm with you. I kind of like the take. You know, he's like this smart guy, vampire hunter, um, kind of almost like a Sherlock Holmes vampire hunter. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of cool. I kind of dig that. Um, it's funny. There's another. There's a movie literally called Vampire Hunter uh, D that I dig, and uh, there's a couple. It's a it's a Japanese novel series and um, animated movies. But it's kind of the same thing where the the vampire hunters kind of pretty laid back, you know, not very excited, but you know, just very steadfast and I'm gonna kill all the vampires type, you know. Because it's funny, because like I think through the whole movie, I'm like trying to think back mentally in my head right now. Like Peter Cushing never gets like I swear his like heart rate never gets above like 90. Like he's <laughs> real like, you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. real just like in control. Because there's people around him all the time, you know, fainting, screaming, freaking out. Like and he has a great like he slaps a guy at one one moment, and uh, that was probably my favorite moment of the of the 73 movie that I watched last night was that there's he grabs a guy at one point and gives him he bitch slaps him like literally just like this like <laughs> he literally like slaps one way and comes back the other way with his backhands him and I'm just like yes <laughs> like it's so good <laughs> so good the pimp hand strong I guess I don't oh yeah no he's got a good one it's great and and the best part is immediately after that he gets like a bad guy walks in and shoots him like shoots Van Helsing and, and, but Van Helsing, like, you know, the, the bullet like grazes off of his, like his forehead. Mm-hmm. And so he just like falls to the ground and kind of lays there for a second, gets up and kind of checks his head and just like <laughs> stiff upper lips it and heads out of there. And <laughs> it's, it's pretty great. P- Peter Cushing is definitely the, the reason to watch that movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I really, this is a, this is a great one. So, um, and I, I'm a sucker for vampire movies. I really am. I was actually thinking about it when, cause you know, you'd contact me to get recording. And I was like, I haven't really seen a vampire movie in a while, you know, and I used to watch them all the time and I don't know how I've never seen this one before, but, um, I think of all the monsters, I kind of dig vampires and vampire stories the most. Well, I, I, and I tend to agree with that. I mean, I always figured that, you know, of all the different, like, classic monsters, mm-hmm. you know, you've got mummies and you've got werewolves and you got, well, Frankenstein's kind of in a class all by himself. But I always figured, oddly enough, the way that vampires are traditionally depicted in, in, in these movies, it's like, I don't... Like IRL, I don't think I want to have anything to do with any of these monsters, but it's like vampires seem like you've got the best chance with, yeah. you know, yeah. um, you might be able to survive if you know what you're doing and you know what their weaknesses are and you know where to hit them, you might be able to survive. Whereas how do you defeat a mummy or, or for right. that matter, I mean, I guess you could run away because what's he going to do? But, you know, um, <laughs> Um, or, yeah. or like a werewolf, right? I mean, you'd better oh, yeah. make sure you're a damn good shot. You know, right. I mean, it's just your odds of success. It's just the further down the ladder you go, it's like the less chance you have. Whereas a vampire, yeah. for as dangerous as they are, at least you've got a shot, you know? And well, and there's, and there's like, there's kind of like a, with the vampire mythos, you've almost got this whole like, 
there's like a psychological battle, you know, as much as a physical battle. So it's more interesting in terms of storytelling, you know, um, I think than other monsters per se, Uh, because you, it's always this kind of like, there's a seduction and a temptation there, you know, there's a lot more subtext, I think, you know, like Frankenstein's a great story, but it's just kind of a tragedy. It's kind of like, you know, it's almost like the first zombie story, really. In a way, yeah. Yeah. Um, werewolves. I've never really liked werewolves. I mean, it's just kind of like whatever. But um, yeah, and that you know the underworld movies. I'm always just like, yeah, kill the kill the werewolves, kill them. But, <laughs> um, but that's just because Kate, Be- you know, Kate Beckinsale is really hot. So yeah, and she's in the PVC weather and right. Yeah, she's Louise. Um, she can come to my house and kick my ass anytime. <laughs> exactly. We got werewolves here, Kate. Come on over. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that's you know, and it's it's interesting. Like, yeah, I, I thinking back, I really, yeah, I'm glad I, I'm glad you made me watch this one because it was it was it was really good. And and like I said, like because I watched like I have these kind of couple favorite movies from that time period. I kind of dig. I kind of feel like this is like the the third one. And actually, I, I might even like make my kids watch it, you know, because because I think they can they can hang with that one. Like it wouldn't be too bad. Well, as you might imagine, this actually led to me falling down the rabbit hole like a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Not like super duper anything like that, but uh, somewhat down the rabbit hole. Um, you know what it is that hammer is like hammer horror films like what they're up to you know yeah because i think it's kind of natural for like kind of like a a, like a boutique sort of uh production company like like hammer you see one of their movies i think it's sort of natural to uh to just kind of wonder like well okay so i like this maybe I should sample some of their other wares and let's just check some of that stuff out. And I got to tell you, um, uh, the, I haven't seen everything, uh, not even close to everything, but I've seen, I've seen a few things and I must tell you the, they really are like some of these things really are just in my money uh, for my money. uh, They're just about on the same level as the horror of Dracula You've got The Curse of Frankenstein, which just by virtue of the fact that it is Frankenstein, I just kind of gravitate to a little bit less just because I find Victor Frankenstein to be just such a horrifying character that it's like I kind of I don't need to really go beyond that. Yeah. But like all of the carnage and stuff that um, that that ensues because he created the monster and then the monster goes on the rampage and all that. You know, it's like that. It's almost like it's gilding the lily in a weird kind of way. But whatever the the curse of Frankenstein, the the Hammer movie. Yeah, it is really good. Uh, quality wise, I would say it probably hits at just about the same level as Dracula. Another one is um, the Mummy, and it it's it again. I mean, you know vampires are really a little bit more when it comes to horror, like monster movies, that's a little bit more my thing. Yeah. So it's not vampires and it's not Dracula. It's fucking, it's the mummy. Right. And, but it's still, it's still really good. And so I do, I I do recommend that. And then finally, um, however much you want to classify this as horror hound of the Baskervilles. Oh yeah. I saw that one on the list last night. Yeah. It's good. It, it's actually okay. worth checking out, and I, I'll, I'll I'll go so far as to say, I really don't know if I like Peter Cushing better in the role than I do Robert Downey Jr., because mm. that's how good it is. You yeah. know, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. He's like his approach to the to 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 Holmes is this guy is so brilliant he's almost psychotic. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I don't know if you've seen those movies, but it's like he's yes. It's like his brain has a brain, you know? Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's on the spectrum. Like, he's very much like, yeah, autistic yeah. level. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I actually, I'm actually excited. I, you mentioned that one because uh, my son just read that book. 
uh, we found he found like this really neat, very old copy in a, in a used bookstore and read it and liked it. And so I should watch that one with him. I think he would really dig that. So, well, I, I well, I I think for sure you'll like it. Now, if, if your kids don't really gravitate to the old movies quite as much, then, you know, hey, I don't know. And I also don't know how faithful an adaptation <clears throat> the uh, the movie is. Yeah. But what I can say is um, I really got a kick out of it. And so. <laughs> All in all, you know, I can't necessarily say that every single movie that Hammer uh, put out is pure gold. I'd never True. make that claim. I mean, I saw their Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. And it's good, but I, it seems like there was something missing from it. And I never really figured it out, but yeah. something was missing. And so, I don't know. I mean, I think for a lot of people, like, you know, our age... Yeah. And younger, and maybe even older, for that matter. Phantom of the Opera is the Andrew Lloyd Webber thing. And so maybe that's just what, right. you know, that's the baggage that we're bringing to it. I don't know. But anyway, so Phantom of the Opera. And the point is, there are quite a few Hammer movies out there that, because like you, I kind of came up with this prejudice that, you know, these kind of bad sort of cheap, because, you know, when you think, when I think of 1950s cinema, I think of those B movies, those sci-fi B movies. Stuff like Ed Wood. And so when people oh, yeah. would talk about, you know, uh, these Hammer movies that came out in the 50s, it's like, geez, it, well, if it's anything like the stuff Ed Wood was making, I don't, I mean, the most I could figure is that people enjoyed this stuff for like irony or for kitsch or something. Yeah. And no, come to find out that a lot of these productions are actually really high quality. And it's just kind of a quirk of, history they came out the same time but they, these are not these are not b movies by any stretch they're actually a lot of them are actually really well done and you know maybe they get a little cheesier as they go along but at least the stuff from the 50s a lot of that stuff is actually pretty solid that's arguably their best era you know so whatever you want to make of that yeah no it's and like i said before like i'm kind of a sucker for monster movies and 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 cheesy or a grade b grade Z grade. I don't really care. Like I'll probably, I'll usually watch almost any of them once. They're kind of my go-to when I have really bad insomnia and I'm just like, I'll just turn on, you know, something <laughs> turn, you know, and it's, it's funny. Like I was just, that was part of what I was doing uh, right before you contacted me actually was um, with everybody being stuck inside my, uh, my oldest uh, Thomas, um, he uh that's my son with down syndrome he yeah. kind of got a hold of the fire stick remote and he might have signed me up for subscriptions to hbo showtime and cinemax oh um, no <laughs> so which is fine it's all good i've, I've got a, a free month of all of them so i'm the lord of streaming right now between that, <laughs> between those and amazon prime and netflix i have like a disney plus i have pretty much everything, everything. Oh. yeah and so i was actually making a playlist i was like you know I, we, we, we were looking for deep cuts of really random stuff you know because i've shown you i've shown you pictures before I, i've got a a, a a movie on disc collection it's I, somewhere like 500 some odd movies yeah you know if i like a movie i've probably got it at home but there's we were trying to find all the ones that we don't own and so we were kind of going through the list and trying, trying to figure out which ones we could watch with our kids and which ones we couldn't. You know, there's, there were things that we thought, okay, you know, like uh, we were kind of excited. Uh, we were like, oh, yeah, Beastmaster. And then we turned that one on last night. And we we're like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of nudity in this. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, I, that's what I'm doing. I, I think I'll, I'll show them Horror Dracula. I think they can get, get away with it. But that's kind of the movies we were picking were very much real genre movies real um uh movies with uh you know like sci-fi fantasy even a little bit scary movies you know there's kind of older ones and so um looking for stuff like that and uh i'm glad i watched this one i'll, I'll definitely want to i'll probably end up putting you know the curse of frankenstein and how the baskervilles on the list for sure uh you know because it's kind of nice, you know, they, 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 some of these older movies, that's one of the things that's kind of cool is that they are kind of a little more, um, I don't want to say family friendly, but they're just not as intense as some movies. Like, I used to be really into horror movies. And then, you know, around the time of the, 
Saw franchise and all that stuff. Yeah. Hostel, I kind of just stepped out. I was like, yeah, this is just a bit much. Like, I'm not, you know. Well, so. the, um, when I was coming up, uh, I, I kind of had this sort of dual experience, I guess, with horror movies. I started off, and it, it is kind of like what I was you know, banging away about a little while ago where I was talking about how I want the atmosphere. I want those creepy establishing shots and I want the spookiness and all that. Don't need the gore. Don't need all that. Just give me, just give me something that's just really stylized and, and just kind of scary looking. And really that's enough for me. And that's where I was definitely coming from when I was a kid. But when I was a kid, it's like that stuff was just impossible to like anything Anything was impossible to find. I mean, you had basically network television and you had HBO. That's it. Mm -hmm. And if they're not showing it, then tough toenails for you, dude. Yeah. So and then in sort of like the second half, like the second phase, um, obviously, you know, for uh, kids that were my age, it, it, it all came down to to scream. And so what I wanted was uh, uh, yeah. horror movies where. It's kind of like a whodunit type of a thing. You know, you've got the killer and he's out there killing people to death with his knife and he's just so scary. And then the very end, he gets unmasked. It's Mr. Marino, the car dealership owner, and he's out for revenge because of some stupid, you know. Yeah. And, and there was um, there were a fair number of like slasher movies like that around. Not as many as you might think, though, but still that, you know, they were around. And then, like you say, <clears throat> Like 2004, like 2003 or 2004, something like that. That's when the Saw stuff started taking off, the, that whole kind of torture porn sort of thing. Yep. And it's like there's nothing atmospheric about this. It's basically people getting cut up into spaghetti. And Yeah, it's a geek show. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not, yeah. I don't need that, you know? And so... Um, and I don't have anything against zombie movies or anything like that, but it's like to know one zombie is pretty much to know them all just because that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of the way it's supposed to work. And so, I mean, I like Shaun of the Dead. I like Dawn of the Dead and all that, but it's like yeah. a little bit really does go a long way, you know? Yeah. And so, well, especially... and, and, well, and, and zombies, like for my money, like I love Shaun of the Dead because it's one of the few that doesn't have like the crappy ending. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like universally accepted. Like your zombie movie is always going to be like, yeah. you know, it's just like the zombies win, you know? <laughs> so I, 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 I and, and that's probably my eighties movies bias. You know, I was always looking for somebody's going to survive. Who's going to survive. Oh, I hope that character survives, you know? <laughs> and so yeah. hoping for the happy ending, but you know, that's, that's me, the eternal optimist. So, um, but yeah yeah well the um so maybe at some point i don't know um maybe you can come back and we can talk about i don't know hound of the baskervilles or maybe we can talk yeah, about sure. uh the mummy or just whatever it is that this oh yeah that this is going to be but uh before we call it a day do you have any parting shots or anything else you want to throw out there about the movie watch it <laughs> just try to get people to watch it's that's a it's a dang good movie you know and um it's just a good time and it's not very long it's kind of a short movie so like you know it's kind of i i, I look at it almost perfect like i just want to watch a movie like just turn it on um and uh yeah according to this it's an hour and 20 so you can spare yeah. that exactly I, i've wasted that much time trying to pick a movie so <laughs> as my wife will <laughs> testify to but uh yeah that, you know and that's the thing like i am a sucker for that i'm always i'm always down for a good monster movie man bring it on bring it off yeah yeah and actually that actually kind of leads into just as my final remark that i think that actually plays heavily into one of the reasons why i get into the halloween movie series so much <laughs> is because michael myers looks like a slasher but he's really kind of a monster in his own right yeah and so um when you realize that that he's a monster and his weapon of choice is a knife 
yeah but is still a monster that's maybe that's why the character works for me whereas the other ones kind of don't so i, I don't know but i'm glad you brought that up too because that that kind of atmosphere the slow burn tension that kind of builds through that whole movie um that's the vibe i got out of horror of dracula and i think that's why i liked it because that's one of my that's why halloween's one of my favorites just because it's just atmosphere on top of atmosphere on top of atmosphere you know cinematography music pacing just tension and i like that and that was this in this one too so yes indeedy so i think that basically does it for dracula horror of dracula or whatever we're calling this thing either way i think that pretty much does it for that so as to next week i haven't really completely figured out what it is that i want to talk about next week i've got some ideas nothing set in stone but uh either way i'll figure out something assuming there there even is an episode next week and honestly i mean who 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 can say right but uh, either way i think that's pretty much it for me for this week so bye everybody i will see you next week So I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find this show on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. My Facebook group is the only official place where you can find everything that has anything to do with this show. The reason for that is because I despise Twitter. Pretty much everything about Twitter sucks. So join the Facebook group today. Speaking of Facebook, you can friend me just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. But remember, all feedback and correspondence emailed to me will be read on mic unless you request otherwise. So, if your email isn't intended for public consumption, don't forget to say so. Otherwise, I'll assume that you want your correspondence to be heard by my dozens, and dozens, of fans across the world. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, you can sponsor my show simply by going to twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there's no minimum donation. Be a Trennis Magnus show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon. Because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. 
The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included, many will enter, few will win, the white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only, all models are over the age of 18. Trinus Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonsacor of Milan, Italy.